You are listening to the Whiskey Tango Chaos Podcast. Chad Hauling. Thank you. Back on the show. Man, we already got this conversation off the rails. Be an includer. They're not a threat. Wow. <laughs> you wait. <laughs> it feels like we could do more to at least be checking in. You know, not put it off for a decade like I did. A uh, police officer just said, like, Paul's dead. We you have back support. That's back good support. in our old age. Yeah. Don't come at me about that. That's delicious. I have to go home. I wanna... I'm not going to be able to pick out any of that. I'm going to say it tastes like whiskey. And the chaos starts now. 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 Oh, I don't care. I think it would be funny. Yes. Hi, and welcome back to uh, Whiskey Tango Chaos. I'm Clayton Spakes, a master sergeant in the United States Air Force. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. It's friend of the show, our most highlighted, our most watched and most uh, attended guest. At this point, he's probably a co-host. Sounds like it. I will Chad be. Hauling. Thank you. Back on the show. Thank you. But I will be filling in. Welcome back to the, like he said, though, welcome back to the Whiskey Tango Chaos podcast. I am Clayton Spakes, and I am still a Master Sergeant in the United States Air Force, kind of. Somehow. Yep. Still here. Another year or so left. Uh, here with my wife, Amanda. Like we mentioned, we are here with Chad Holling and his wife, Rebecca. Super pumped, uh, not only to have you guys in town for vacation and get to hang out and uh, relive our glory days of Ohio, only with more humidity. <laughs> a lot more humidity. Yeah. But also that means we get to podcast, so that's always a plus for us. Yes, because um, we like to record our conversations. <laughs> well, I mean, it's fun talking to just Amanda, but it's more fun to talk to friends. That's true. Sometimes like it's more awkward when we're just talking to each other. <laughs> if that's weird. I don't know. Because like I talk to you all day and then now all of a sudden we we want to share it. it. We want to share it with the world. Yeah, like, this is weird. Hey. So, like always, we'll start with what we are drinking, and we'll start with guests and ladies first. So, Rebecca, what are you drinking? Oh, sweet. So, I am drinking whiskey this time, and I am drinking the St. Luke Lavender uh, whiskey. So it kind of t- reminds me of my grandma <laughs> <laughs> with the lavender, but it's good. It's light and refreshing for whiskey. It's comforting. That's a pretty good. Uh, that one is right up um, Amanda's alley too. It's very it. sweet. Although the uh, that it yeah that it reminds you of your grandmother is probably a pretty good assessment, and then I can speak for the rest of us because we're all drinking the same thing. Are we? Yeah. Yep. Cheers. Well, so, hey, so one of these things is not like the other. Thanks, yeah, actually. Good job, Becca. Thank you. I got You're this welcome. bottle. Uh, it's probably been three weeks or so now, maybe a little more than that. Anyway, uh, friend of the show and friend in real life, Ian Holmquist, uh, who you remember from our episode with uh, Mule, one of the last, yep, the last one before. Uh, we left Ohio, I think. Episode eight. Yep. Uh, anyway, on that episode, he brought a bottle of Green Spot, and it was delicious. And he knew that I'd been wanting to try a bottle of Yellow Spot, and so he sent this out to us. And I was waiting on a special occasion to share it and crack it open. It seemed like uh, it seemed fitting to share it with Chad. So and I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you, Ian. So Yellow Spot, I will pour mine uh, while you guys tell us what you think. Well, yeah, I had a couple sips of it. I mean, it's. You know, a great, uh, so far it's great. Uh, you know, it's an Irish whiskey, which is my favorite. I love the, the Irish whiskey family. Uh, Amanda, your thoughts? Uh, I'm a sucker for triple distilled. I think that's where my favorite, I just, it's good. It's very smooth. Um, real good flavor to it. Yeah. I like that this one, uh, so I'll just read the bottle really quick. It has like tasting notes. So it says like on the nose. Uh, moan hay and cracked black pepper, red bell peppers, nutmeg, clove oil, and green tea, sweet honey and peaches from the Malaga casks. And it should taste like 
honey sweetness with pot still spices, flavors of fresh coffee, creamy milk chocolate, and creme brulee, notes of red apples and toasted oak. It's just kind of everything. It's everything. Together. So I would because I, I want. I'm not going to be able to pick out any of that. I'm going to yeah. say it tastes I'm, like whiskey. Yeah, it, I would say it's uh, smooth, like Amanda said, and I taste none of what you just read. <laughs> well, I, it does taste. I want to. I hesitate to say sweet because it's not sweet, but you can pick up some of the sweeter notes that well, were highlighted on the bottle. It is there. sweet. I would say it's sweet. It's sweet for like a real whiskey. Yeah, not sweet and like that blackened pecan menagerie listen, that you drink listen that, that don't come amazing. at don't 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 come at me about that that's delicious it's not it is it's not for everybody <laughs> like that is stuff is some. sweet but like artificially sweet this is like sweet like intentionally for like a normal whiskey that's yeah. not that's like an unflavored whiskey yeah, extremely or smooth maybe though. that's the wrong way to put it but yeah that bottle's gonna gonna be gone pretty quickly oh yeah it's not gonna last long no. we opened it well we said that about the green spot too though but i think it's something about like if I only have one bottle of something like that, I'm I'll, every time I go to pour it, I'll like You'll rethink it, it and pick something different. I'm like, uh. well, thankfully, both the green spot and the yellow spot are fairly accessible. It's it, you don't really yeah, you can get them like you can get them things. around like yeah, you don't have to hunt for them. Yeah, you say that here in Texas. I live in South Dakota. Oh, you got yeah, that's for everything fair. out there, don't you? <laughs> Does a moose deliver your whiskey? Sometimes. <laughs> nice Depends caribou. On, yeah. So anyway. Welcome back to the show. Thank you for coming all the way from South Dakota. Uh, it's great to finally be in the room. Yeah. Because yeah. so far, every outside of the last one that we did, it's all been virtual, mm-hmm. which has been. Well, other than, yeah, other the, than the first ones. They, they're okay, but there's something different to be sitting in the room with people and then being able to talk to them over, you know, a glass of whiskey. I believe my dog is fussing at me. Oh, and even this is like more fun than like sitting across from our kitchen table. Uh, get my headset. Get yeah, it's mind. definitely a little bit comfier since last year on. We got uh, yeah. some. We you got back support. We That's back good support. in our old age. Yeah. Yes. But. So what's uh what is there something that has surprised you guys about South Dakota that you weren't expecting before you moved there? She beat me to it. Everyone warned us about the wind, but mm-hmm. I think the wind even it still surpri- surprised me. Mm. Um, yeah, but then it, also just like just how much of a difference like it's a tourist town it's a tourist area and so like when we're not in tourist season it's dead like there's nothing happening but like the summertime it's so much fun because like you have all the new people all these events happening so it's a lot of fun but just the it's a very different than ohio michigan texas anywhere i've ever been yeah it's definitely it uh you can you know when uh, you know when tour season is, and then you know when Sturgis is the big bike rally. Oh, I forgot about Sturgis. Yeah. So yeah, and is that summer? Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, it's coming up. It's I coming think. up. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't remember the exact dates. But I mean, same dates every year, same week. Yeah. Uh, every year, and like you have Sturgis, and then you have the, like the after Sturgis of the people that are so like kind of around. There's so many uh, motorcycles. Yeah. They're everywhere. Yeah, it's yeah just, I forgot about that. It, it, I mean, I didn't go. Cause, like, I don't ride. Uh, people say, oh, you can just go anyway. I'm like, I don't really know what I would get out of it. Uh, <laughs> besides just tons of people, which, I mean, I don't really like to be around. It'd probably people. be pretty fantastic people watching. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, you know, you get the safety brief on it. Like, don't mess with them. They won't mess with you. I'm like, what are they, raccoons? <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. What's your, so, so far, 
Your favorite thing from South Dakota and least favorite thing from South Dakota that's not the wind or the snow? Uh, well, I mean, is this cheating if I say, like, my favorite thing is so far, like, the church we found? Oh, that's not cheating. That's, not cheating. Yeah. that's uh, something. Yeah, just because, like, you know, it's, it's one of, like, our checklists when we PCS. Mm. Uh, it's like, all right, like, what do we want to find first? Yeah. And we literally found one, like, the... We got there on a Wednesday. That Sunday, we found that church and going never strong. Back. Yeah, never looked back on it. Uh, and then the least favorite with not being the wind. Uh, I just we don't have anybody that's in the same uh, like part of life we are in. Yeah, around yeah, that us. Makes it tough. I feel that. So it's like us with little kids, and then everybody that's currently around me is like you know either uh, a master or a senior and getting ready to like retire. Yeah, so like older kids, if they have kids, kids in the house, still school and yeah. college, like just so, completely different phase of life. Yeah, like the only thing we have in common is like we're active duty in the military. Yeah, that's uh, that's about it. That's about it. Yeah, that's how we like. It's been the same for us here. Like, I think it was. I didn't realize that it was weird or like how fortunate we were. I guess when we were at Wright Pat, like pretty much all, the entirety of our friend group had like we were all roughly the same age and had kids like roughly the same age i don't know it was just nice because then you could you never even had to like think about it when you were planning like if you were going somewhere it was always just assumed that it was like a family-friendly thing and yeah. and, and like, that whoever that, planned if it you forgot something like there were five other moms who were like yeah. no, oh I yeah got, i got a pack don't worry i got oh, extra. like snacks yeah You're like, oh, snacks, I forgot snacks. which is also good for me i'm hungry <laughs> yeah and you didn't ever have to think about like oh well i wonder if they took into account that like my kids are going to need to stay entertained because they probably did yeah. like, cause they, their kids also need to be entertained. Yep. That's been different here. Like, yeah, none of our friends out here have kids. Nope. Really at all. And, uh, well here lately, like we've, uh, made friends with like some people in our neighborhood that yes. have kids that that's been like helpful. That's been huge. We've, Especially since we don't have to travel to them. It's like, just push the kids out the front just, door. Yeah. That's been nice. All right, Becca, what's your favorite and least favorite? All right. So Chad definitely took mine with my favorite part. So choosing something different. I really, I really enjoy the summer and the spring summer weather. Mm. It's just, it's beautiful. There's no humidity. It can be 90, 95 degrees outside and you're still outside barely breaking a sweat. So it's just, it's so nice. And I love being outside. So it's just, I really enjoy it. Plus your hair is, looks good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's no humidity. There's no humidity. (laughs) My hair is doing great. But then the wind comes. That's true. And and my least favorite part about living in South Dakota is the lack of resources. Because, like, we are isolated. We are at the end of the supply chain. And so, like, there will be, like, a shortage of something. And, like, you won't find – like, I couldn't find contact solution. For like really? three weeks. Oh, so that's right. I forgot about that. We were going to like store after store, and another time it was distilled, distilled water. water from my CPAP. Wow. And like, and it's just would not have thought about that. Yeah, yeah, same. Like her parents brought what four four gallons four gallons really just so like just so I could have it until it got back in stock. And I mean, like we and not only like resources with food, but like even like. Uh, urgent cares uh, mm. hospitals like here and where you guys are like there is an urgent care around every single oh, yeah. corner or an er yep the closest urgent care for us is 20 minutes away or no 25 minutes away the well, closest the, er yeah. is 30 minutes away oh, wow. and there is no base er so like 
if you think about that, if some if someone has a heart attack on base, like you better hope they can make it to the hospital in time. Well, that and the crazy thing is, like we just had a medical emergency in my unit. Did you? Yeah, and like chest pains. Wow. Um, like limbs going numb. Like they had they're to checking lo- every box. Well, you gotta they, get them somewhere. Well, they had to load them up in, in the base um, ambulance. Okay. And then drive him to the main gate and switch ambulances so he could go down town. How much time, extra time that probably took? Yes, like, that's how. Because you're talking with like, with your like yeah with heart attacks, you're talking. I mean, seconds are life and death, right? Yeah, every yeah. second counts. Edwards was like that too, though. Edwards, the ER yeah. was in Lancaster. The closest ER was in Lancaster, and that was about forty five minutes away. So not, yeah, yeah. a little less than that to Lancaster, but yeah. They what always what's interesting to hear you guys talk about with that base and same as I felt about Edwards is that you're taught you're it's an isolated base and some of the resources that you would think would be accessible because it's isolated are actually not. So like a hospital, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I would, I would have thought that that because it's isolated, we're going to check off some of that. Like, let's make sure everyone's medical is good. Yeah. You know, let's make sure everyone can get access to food. And the fact that those aren't always high in the prior is like Edwards had a clinic that you could get like the flu shot at. That's about it. Yeah. Um, Everything else was like 30, 45 minutes away. So that so it's interesting to hear that as well for you guys. Where he's like, yeah, you they had think your, those isolated bases would, I mean, yeah, they had like more your, apt to have at well, least, especially with the weather. ER. I'm yeah. assuming it's the same as like us. Like Edwards was like, you have like your PCM is out, is on base still or can be. Yes. Like, so you get like normal medical treatment and like a normal pharmacy, but any sort of like emergency care or specialty care, like, See ya. Well, like you but, get, or we had a mental health and physical therapy. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's weird. Cause I've gone like Andrew's right Pat, you know, they're like, Oh, well, you know, if you need something, you go to your PCM first. Yeah. And they're like opposite here at, at Ellsworth. Like if you need something, you go to urgent care. And if you need to follow up, you call us. Wow. Well, I mean, there's what one pediatrician on base. Yeah. And so it's, they're just like, yeah, we, don't have the resources we don't have the time to see all the kids on base who need to be seen so yeah. they're like yeah go out go out go find a different right. urgent there's 300 care. plus homes on base and with everything that's coming to yeah, with the b21 yeah it's just, it's just growing. crazy yeah that's fortunately they are building the pl- there are plans to build an urgent care right off right base off base right outside that nice. will accept primes because yeah. <laughs> there will be there were times so. where like i definitely liked just having a clinic on base because it meant that i got to see like real civilian healthcare most of the time if i had any like real issue where like right yeah. pat you're at some like medical residents uh medical students like science experiment yep, yep. here is another oh, teaching hospital it's the same way like you're going to be somebody's experiment and it's like you know some of the times that works out and some of the times you end up with crooked fingers so <laughs> maybe maybe a little too close to home for me but yeah it's not bad all right well the plan for the rest of this episode, now that we've got like all of the uh, like catching up out of the way, we'll get a little more serious on you guys. We talk, we have talked about this before, like as a uh, a family. Yes, but, uh, correct. correct. Yes. So, but you guys have experienced um, a large like personal tragedy with the uh, loss of Rebecca's brother uh, almost exactly ten years ago today. So we thought kind of twofold. It'd be great to have you guys on one because you're so open to um, like kind of telling your story and how you guys and your family have turned that into a way to turn that tragedy into tragedy into a way to help others. Um, I know that 
even if, even just in like interpersonal relationships, right? Like Chad has done that with me. Like when I lost a friend, um, we wanted to have you guys on and maybe talk a little bit of that, a little bit about that and tell, uh, your story. And then hopefully we can kind of turn that back into, um, like some resources for others and how maybe they can find ways to cope with, uh, personal tragedy in their own lives. So, uh, I will try to sh- do my best to, uh, shut up and just let you guys tell your story. Uh, whichever one of you wants to take it away first. All right. I guess as they both look at each other, <laughs> nose well, goes, is there well, a nose goes for well, this? The thing is, you know, Paul is my best friend, but uh, you know, Becca's brother. Trump's. Trump. I so, Trump. <laughs> Becca's brother. I feel like I should, uh, you know, take a backseat yeah. to yeah. leading here. Right. Oh, I hear you. Yeah. So, um, to start at the beginning and not go into too much of the details, I mean, there's just a whole lot that happened with it, but, um, Paul was in medical school. He um, always wanted to be a doctor, was unsure of what kind of doctor, but he was going to the University of Michigan. Um, go he- blue. <laughs> that's, for, yeah. that's for Jeff Clay. I'm going to go ahead and edit that out. Oh. Rude. <laughs> Just kidding. You're a Georgia fan. Exactly. So I'm going to, never mind. <laughs> They're not a threat. Wow. <laughs> you wait. <laughs> Just wait like, right. yeah, Go dogs. Yeah. Anyway. Man, we already got this conversation off the rails. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, so, yeah, he was in medical school. He had just joined the Air Force. Um, Chad had told him that, like, um, if he were to join the Air Force, then the Air Force would cover the price of medical school. Mm. And, I mean, there's no way that our family could afford that without going into substantial yeah, it's debt. A yeah. wild amount of money. Oh, yeah. Insane. Um, and so, anyway, he was um, – so he was living in Ann Arbor. He lived at a medical fraternity house. Um, and I had actually just visited him like the weekend before he had died. I broke up with my boyfriend at the time. He's like, well, come hang out with me. So anyway, we toured Ann Arbor. Um, and then I went back home summer break. I was working. Um, and I come home from school or come home from work and there were cops at the house. And so I remember I drove my car into the front of the, um, into our front yard and I walked in and I just saw for sure it was my oldest brother, Josh. I'm like, he did something. I guess he's yeah. a troublemaker. It's fine. <laughs> and like, Shots fired at Josh a little bit. I I know, like. <laughs> no, um, but I walked in and uh, like without even, sh- I, my mom was bloodshot, red eyes oh. and without even, um, without even waiting, like the um, police officer just said, like, Paul's dead. And I just said, no, you're wrong. Like, get out of my house. You're wrong. Please leave. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, if you want, you can punch me in the stomach. And I'm like, why do I want to punch you in the stomach? (laughs) Also, what a way to break the news. Yeah. Right. Couldn't have had a little bit better bedside banner for that. I don't know, like, how else you break that to be honest. They had to do it fast because the news was already traveling around in Ann Arbor and so all the parents were calling their kids saying is it you? Is it you? You heard there's someone who was killed. Got it. And so they And this was like the first murder in Ann Arbor. I'd have to look this up to be be accurate but like They've been a long time. Like I think 30 plus years. Oh wow. Like that was the first homicide in 30 plus years. Wow. After they broke the news and I mean obviously still completely grieving and in shock mm. they go we have to go we have to go tell your dad we have okay where where will i find him at your work and i'm like because my i worked for my dad at the time and i'm okay. like 
I'm just going to go with you. And they're like, are you sure? Like, we can go. I'm like, no, I'm going with you. Yeah. And so it was the first and only time I got to ride shotgun in a cop car. <laughs> I'm pretty <laughs> proud of that. Did you get to push the button? I didn't know, but he was like, he, he was a really nice guy. And he's like, mm. I just want you to know, like, I have to turn this camera on for your safety as for mine. But so, like, we're driving to my to the work, and I just feel like, and no, no one probably saw me, but I just felt like everyone was staring at me. And yeah. I'm just sitting there in the car. But anyway, we walk into work and we worked with um, a lot of people. And so, like, I'm walking into my uh, office, into the warehouse, and all these people's eyes are like just like wide open. Cause I'm what is happening with a cop? Yeah. yeah. Right. The police officer, they're like, uh, don't know what's happening. So, anyway, we walk in, and my dad later on told me that he thought that I had been caught shoplifting at Best Buy. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, and just seeing the look on my dad's mm. face when uh, the police officer told him, I mean, my dad was sitting in the office and he goes, Becca, what did you do? Like, what, what is going on? And I'm like, seriously? And the cop just very bluntly, again, your son Paul is dead. And I just, my dad grabbed his heart. I thought he was going to have a heart mm. attack. Um, and just, and again, my dad was like, no, you're wrong. Like that's, that's not right. Can't be right. Yeah. It can't be real. It's a wrong kid. And I mean, after that, a lot of things were a blur. I remember calling Chad and you were on, you could probably explain this. Yeah. More. So like on the flip side of like, from my perspective, uh, I, I was landing from a mission. Oh wow. Um, I had just been on, so the mission was taking the chairman of the joint staff to Bagram, Afghanistan, okay. Obviously, we couldn't stay in Bagram, so we flew to Dubai. Mm. Um, I just happened to be with my uh, my OIC of the Raven section at the time, uh, and it was just it's it's really random how it all worked out. And I was telling him about Paul, my friend, who like just got commissioned. Uh, that's like tell him how he got a commission and what he was doing with it. Mm. Uh, okay. And then we flew home, and it was uh, a normal thing. Like my phone was on airplane mode. And then when I got back, I turn, I would take it off airplane mode and, you know, text messages, notifications, everything started popping up, popping yeah. up. But then there was a voicemail from Rebecca and I'm like, well, that's, that's weird. That's weird. Like, we were not. Why is my best friend? Yeah. Why is my best friend's <laughs> sister why, calling me? Why, yeah, yeah. You say best friend's sister. And I, th- I say best friend's little sister. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and like, why? And my, again, probably shots fired at Josh. I'm like, something happened with Josh. Uh, and uh, poor Josh, poor Josh. So, like, we landed. We were told, Hey, uh, so it's gonna be normal protocol, except as soon as your DV party leaves, you need to get back on the plane Mm. because POTUS is about to land. So, like, you have to wait until he's done to move on the ramp. So, I'm getting all my notifications. I listen to the voicemail. She's obviously. I was very upset, and I had just said, Chad, you have to call me. You have to call me as soon as you can. So as I texted her. Uh, so naturally, I texted her. Um, <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I said, hey, uh, got your voicemail. What's going on? And she texted back, you need to call me. Mm-hmm. I was so, I mean, again, yeah. all the emotions flying through. I was so angry. I was just like, yeah. I said, call me. Call me. <laughs> this was a... Th- it's a very simple yeah. instruction. Why can you, I don't Chad, wear your you. listening ears? <laughs> <laughs> That's where our kids get it from. Yeah, exactly. Um, Rude. So I uh, I called. Um, I was, and obviously, I hear her talking. She's upset. She tells me what happens. Uh, and, like, I just, I, I, like, just squat down. Mm. Like, I can't get you off this do. plane. Uh, I literally turn to 
uh, my OIC who I was flying with, and he was just out there to get experience. And I turned to him and I said, he, he was a captain. And I said, I have to go home. I have to go home right now. And which we all know in this room is yeah. like, well, yeah, for immediate family, you can take emergency leave. Yeah. Uh, not but for your high school yeah, best not for friend. your high school best friend. But luckily, he's like, like I need you to put in like leave in the system, and then we'll take care of everything else. Um, and I think it, it had to have happened on a Thursday because uh, I think I flew home Friday. We had everything on a, sa- a Saturday. I think. I mean, it was it I, was so quick. It was such a blur. And I mean, when you are planning yeah. a funeral, like when it's like when it's your grandma dying and it's like, you, you kind of expect it coming. Yeah. You ha- yeah. So you have like, some stuff in place. Plan. Yeah. Well, this is a 24 year old young man who had his whole life mapped out for what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And now we're, instead of helping him pack up to move to, uh, to Travis, Travis. He's going to go yeah. to Travis. rather than packing up for that, we're packing up his room, mm-hmm. which, Oh, by the way, had been completely tossed because this is a homicide. Like yeah. this is an investigation. But we had such a good relationship with the Ann Arbor, Ann Arbor Police Force. And, I mean, even the – who are the people in the Air Force? OSI. Oh. OSI. They came to visit us, and they were here for a little while. And they even told us, they're like, listen, like, we will give you whatever resources are needed. But, like, this Ann Arbor team, like, they've got – They're under, on top of it. They're on top of it. And, I mean, we had the relationship that we had with them, and they were willing to communicate with us what they could. But, like, they were – this police force, the uh, the investigators, they were like putting in double overtime. Like they were being forced to go home just to sleep to come back. And they're like, mm-hmm. no, like we want to keep working on this. We're going to keep working on this. And it, and they yeah. even told us they're like, at some point, you're going to hate us. Yeah. And like uh, my parents and I are like, why would we hate you? Mm-hmm. And I mean, there were some uncomfortable moments. Like they had to. Um, they put me in a room by myself, and they and it was just their break room, so it wasn't like intimidating but they were like asking me all these questions and so like they were like interviewing us and then in fact they even had to interview my my ex-boyfriend because they Mm. thought maybe it was my ex-boyfriend who was upset and wanted to get back at me and so like i mean they they've got to rule out every single avenue and possibility i mean they even even called me at one point but it was a quick five minute conversation yeah because like i was out of the country yeah so yeah and you're at the time you're a little annoyed that like it was so short you're like really like and yeah you don't want to know more yeah Yeah, this is my best friend i could talk about him for for weeks well and it didn't have it didn't help that like when they called me i had just gotten back from another mission i was jet lagged Someone's going to give me crap about jet lagged because that was the inside <laughs> joke back at, at back in the 73rd. But, and I mean, looking at it, like it was, I don't, I don't want to say exciting, but like to kind of get to like experience it and hear like, we got a lead. Like they would tell us like, Hey, we got a lead. Like this is not a cold case. And like it, it only took three to four months for the case to be solved. It was not mm-hmm. a long it well, was it not was, long. It felt long. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. It happened, it felt it like happened ages. in July. They called the guys in November. Yeah. And I mean, th- they were caught because they had stolen um, one of my brother's good friends. They stole his laptop and then decided to turn the laptop on. Well, we had been using the Find My uh, Apple thing. And so yeah. they were able to track it down that way. And it's just funny because when the was, what, what, FBI... When the people, oh, went, the U.S. Marshals, U.S. Marshals, yes. When the U.S. Marshals went, I mean, they were hiding out in that North Carolina. Two of them were in North Carolina. So it, okay, so it, hold on, let's begin. So the so the th- there were three individuals. Okay, um, and they were going around um, what they thought were easy targets in Ann Arbor, 
Okay. And they had a system where, like, there was one of them who was smaller in stature okay. that they would boost up into windows or easy access places. And it's a um, college town, and mm-hmm. college people aren't always the smartest about locking doors and yeah. windows. Okay. So, um, and there had been a, a handful of break-ins in this neighborhood, um, and they had it down to a system where they boosted the small guy in, he would go and scope it out, uh, and then they would come in at, like, a later time. Uh, and Paul's room... And so this was a three-level, three-story house, fraternity house, okay. and not like a fraternity house that you think of. It's a medical fraternity. All these kids are studying. They were studying yeah. all um, the time. Yeah, and you've got like, to. They had, they had like a, it's med school. Right? They had a cook in the house that worked there. Oh, nice. Um, like, and so it made it made them meals and everything like that. Like they were there to study and get mm-hmm. you know a medical degree. Right. Well, Paul and one other person just happened to have the. There were only two rooms down in the basement, okay. uh, and everything else was up above. And, and his room was the one that was under the kitchen. Yep. So that's why the three guys went in. <laughs> um, they scoped it out. They heard people walking around, so they actually left. And then one of the guys said, I think I saw a, P- a Xbox or something. There was something he's like, I want to go back. So they went back to take the Xbox, but they looked and they saw underneath Paul's door was a rolled up towel naive me. I don't know. didn't know what that meant, but apparently usually that's a, a sign that people are doing drugs in that room and they're trying to keep the smell in the room. Well, no, my brother was really cheap and he had purchased an AC unit and he wanted to keep all the cold in his room. Okay. And so they went in there. They, so this is the second time they went back. They stole a bunch of stuff. They went in his room looking for the drugs. My brother was getting up right around four o'clock for a pancreatic. Um, he was doing surgery that day on pancreas. But anyway, so he was getting up or he was like his alarm clock had gone off and it startled him. And what they say happened is they went to pistol whip him and the gun misfired and oh. it went through his jugular and then carotid, which killed him instantly. Jeez. So um, and then after, from there, that's when they took off with what they had and then dispersed. So the three of them then just kind of like disbanded and were on the run. Yeah. One yes, of them, kind of what they yeah. discovered. So they, two of them uh, ended up back in North Carolina, and then one of them was in the Detroit area. Okay. Um, and yeah, Jeez. like uh, they had that laptop. They ended up selling the laptop for, to someone else. The cops kicked in that person's door right. and basically got him like face down on the ground. Where'd you get this? And he's like, I just bought it from these guys. Yeah. And yeah. uh then that's how they found, that's how they it, like tracked them back down from yeah, there. Tracked them back down yeah. from there, and uh, eventually got them. And a uh, lot of the police force from Ann Arbor actually went to with the U.S. Marshals, and they kept saying, "You have to keep them alive. You cannot kill them. You have to keep them alive." Because I mean, everyone had just become so invested personally; yeah. they just like, wanted to get these. Like guys. a few weeks yeah. after this, this news broke. Um, like not only did it make national news, but it got overseas to BBC. Really. Yeah. And it was just, uh, well, I'm sure the cops took it a little bit personally too. Cause they, cause there was such a low crime rate and especially a low murder rate for that particular area. It's like, you don't mess with our people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's like being, being the university of Michigan's town, right? Like right. people are there to go to school. Um, you know, all the athletics that happened there, um, the, the hot Michigan hospitals there. Um, which is a learning hospital. Yeah. There's um, a lot of good in that town. Yeah. And there's like just all these different organizations and a lot of good going on in Ann Arbor. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, you're probably right. They did, they did take the person. I think, I, I think it's really, 
um, looking back on it, kind of obvious because of the hours they put in yeah, of like, absolutely. we're not going to rest until we figure this out and find these people. I mean, they caught him. They caught the three guys within four months and then the trials, they were, they were long, they were strenuous. They were very frustrating, very hard to watch. Like, I'm well, sure. Cause there's the defense. They're trying to defend these guys yeah. who just did this to your brother. And it's how do you, that, that, I, I can't imagine what that was like to, to hear. To hear and to see, like, two of the three, like, they looked remorseful. And then, like, the third guy who... He's smiling in pictures. Yeah, really was, like, joking around and, like... Joking with his lawyer and cracking like, jokes. That was, that was really and the, sickening. Got, and like, what I, that is. That's yeah. sickening. I don't know if we, we've said this yet, but these guys are, like, 19, 20 years old. They were oh. young. Yeah, they were definitely yeah, one One was in the Army for two years. Um, so, like, we get... I was I was not able to attend, and I think this is more of a God thing. Mm. Like I was not able to attend in person the uh, the trials, yeah. but like I got to write a letter that Becca's dad read mm. um, of like what basically what they took from me. We didn't really necessarily map stuff out, but like oh, there's like so much potential yeah. that could happen. And, yeah, uh, oh, it's two best friends talking like the yeah. what ifs, like oh, yeah. we get to do this or we could do that yeah. or when we you know yeah. when we get to this next level or we both get joined maybe we could get stationed together like how cool would that be just you know dreaming talking together. Yeah, yeah dreaming together, like, yeah. really and uh it is it is weird to talk about um like we were comfortable sharing it we shared it a lot um yeah. but it's just you think like when i think back on it it's like you know uh paul paul's family and the family of the uh the three individuals like they got together, they prayed with each other. Really, um, it, and in that, I mean, with the, I feel like that's that's got to be extremely rare. Well, I mean, think about it. Like we lost Paul, but the family is like they lost those yeah. them yeah, as well. I mean, and so, like, I mean, I I met one of the sisters, and like when the verdict was given, she screamed, like yeah. started bawling, and like for me, like. Don't get me wrong. Like justice was served, and like it's not going to be. Nobody wins, right? Yeah. Every, nobody, everybody, right. everybody, everybody's experiencing yeah, loss. I was like four people. Right? It sucks. Yeah. Four people died. Really, right. that's what your dad said. Yeah, like we all lost someone today. Yeah, and, and, and it might be a different way, but we all lost someone. Two of those members got life, life without parole. Okay, and, that was going to be my next question: yeah. is what what was their sentence? And yeah. the other one got twenty five. Like what was twenty it? with a chance to parole. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah 25, 25 with a chance. With parole at twenty five years, okay. So and uh, and he was yeah because he, he was willing to get go on the stand, yeah. um and and admit to what happened. So he had the reduced sentence, um. But and I mean it's just the families, the family members that were willing to meet us, like they were actually really sweet and mm-hmm. and nice and very apologetic. And I mean, like these these kids made their own choice. And, they're going to have to, they have to yeah. live with that. Just like we have to live with the loss of him, but to be able to move forward and to like do things in his honor, but, yeah. but to also just to be able to do things for other people, um, to help other people who are going through this, their own tragedy. And so like to be able to find some type of good in the midst of the tragedy is kind of like where we slowly were able to turn our focus to. And when I say we, that I mean, that includes my parents. That includes us. I mean, I have friends, family. Like, it affected a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, crazy to think about, like you guys, 
like already kind of like having that like heart of forgiveness like that soon after. Cause I'm assuming like even after they're arrested and the trial is probably like six months or so from after it happened. Like yeah. I had, like, I don't know. I'm, I don't think I'm that good a Christian yet to be like, uh, was- to be able to have like, to have my heart be like that open yeah. to like want to meet people and be like, Hey, we're both experiencing loss. So it's like, I think my, I would still be steady in like a fuck you state of mind. Well, I, like, I, why I, did you yeah. raise this person to be this way? Like, I was, yeah. That's, yeah. so not only was I angry, but I carried it with me basically until Ellsworth for a decade. Mm. Um, so, and I, so I'll get into that. So like one, I was angry and I, I went down still to something. a dark place. Mm. Um, I don't know. I talked, I talked it out through therapy, but it was just like, it was a dark place. And then the weight that I carried with me for, you know, a decade was like, I'm the one that convinced Paul to go to medical school, like join the air force to pay for medical school. So it was my fault that he was there. Um, like basically on a free ride. Um, because I'm the one that gave him the information Hmm. and sitting through, um, like my talk therapy with, with my therapist, um, he uh, he was like, so what? Like, what percentage do you think that it was your fault that Paul got murdered? And I was sitting there, and I'm like, I I don't know, fifteen, twenty percent. And like he said, do you think maybe it's the person that pulled the trigger? Maybe that's a hundred percent his fault. Mm-hmm. And like it clicked in my head. I just I had never thought about it that way. Yeah. And I I don't know if it was you know some psychological thing going on with me that like I just couldn't get there. Um, yeah, it's like now it probably seems like an obvious statement, right? Yeah. That it's the person that pulled the trigger. It's a hundred percent their fault, but it's hard to process that when like, I don't know. I feel like for a lot of us, that's like just a natural way to process like grief or tough things is like your first thought is like, what could I have done different yeah, to make yeah. this situation better oh, yeah. or turn out differently? Even if those things were truly like out of your control. Yeah. Cause I played the what if game of, Oh, like, well, I should have been on leave and visiting them at the time. Like, why wasn't I there? Um, and you can't play those games. Oh, but it's, I did. It's unfair. F- it's unfair for you mm-hmm. to put that kind of a, to carry that kind of a burden. So, but it yeah. wasn't until I got to South Dakota when, you know, mm-hmm. Becca was, uh, was like, maybe you, uh, maybe you want to go talk time. to, I think it's time to talk <laughs> to someone because, you know, not only uh, a lot of people know uh, that know me, like, not only have I lost 12 people to suicide since I've been, but now, you know, Paul being yeah. mur- murdered within all that loss as well. It's just, it carried a lot of weight with me of, yeah. I wish I could have done more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's, you know, going off your mental health, uh, mental health month on whiskey tango chaos. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's like, that's just, it's so important. If you, if you have these feelings to go, you know, not put it off for a decade, like I did and go and talk to someone. Because they can help get like the roadmap it out. Like they can give you help get help you reach that aha moment. Yeah, which mm-hmm. was exactly what it was. Like after that session, I was I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, it's wild, and it's a uh, like what's the words I'm looking for? It's like an, a uh, a bigger like tragedy or like a bigger event than like most of us will ever deal with. Yeah. Uh, in our lives, but like at some point we will all deal with grief, right? You're and, all going to deal with loss. You will all deal with grief and yeah. being able to go through it, realizing those emotions, processing through those emotions is what's going to help, help you grow and move forward, not move on, 
I'm not leaving Paul in the past, but I'm yeah. moving forward and I'm using what he taught me, what what he was there for. Like, you know, we all thought that Paul was on this earth to be a doctor. Well, now 10 years later, no, that wasn't his purpose on life. His purpose was to include others, help bring other people around him. Because, I mean, even in high school, he did that. And to, like, include others, help bring other people up, that was his purpose. He did that for me. He did that for his friends. He did that for our family. And to be able to, like, just be appreciative of that and then mm-hmm. move forward and carry that legacy on. Yeah. So how an, long? He was an includer, right, Vax? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even though it's I not a word. I still don't think that's a word, but whatever. <laughs> he is an includer. So we talked about you guys, like, meeting with the family. I know that uh, your family has done a bunch um since his passing to like help reach out and help others in similar circumstances, whether that's through uh, like scholarships or through uh, the taps program. So if we start to get into that, like how long after everything happened and you kind of get whatever closure you can get from the trial, did, did you uh, see that kind of shift into like, okay, well how can we turn this into a positive thing and help others? Like, or was it a more gradual thing? I mean, it was pretty gradual and I was so busy with, graduating, getting out through nursing school, surviving nursing school, <laughs> and then getting married and starting marriage life. And like, so like I was really, I didn't have as much time to grieve. And when I did, it had to be like a kind of more condensed in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, so like my, my grieving process was a little different than my parents. My parents jumped right in with um, counseling and for them counseling, it wasn't, it didn't provide that help that they needed, but they found, um, something through the church it was called grief share and it's a christian organization that walks people through um their grief and mm. whether it be just the death of a loved one uh suicide homicide just walking through that grief and they really that was really helpful for them so then they actually became went through the training so that they could lead grief share and so they they are still doing that and i mean they've done it for years now mm-hmm. And just helping walk through people, help walking people through their grief and what steps, what healthy steps to take. And then uh, shortly after that, they learned about TAPS, um, which is tragedy. Oh, man. Tragedy Airman Assistance. Nope. I'm butchering it. We just had it. Here's your phone. It's on the picture. Tragedy Assistance. (laughs) Tragedy Assistance Program for Survivors. Yes. They learned about that and learned about the resources that the military will actually provide for loved ones who have lost a family member, whether it's, or yeah, who have lost a family member, whether it be due to um, suicide, homicide, mm. um, and uh, something happening on a, de- a deployment, or a- anything. Yeah. And so they've actually gone all across the country um, and it's like a peer to peer support. Okay. And so like, um, in the, like the Michigan area, which is where my parents are located, they are the peer support people. So mm-hmm. if there is a military death, then my parents can be reached out to, and then they can talk to those people to help give them resources if need be, okay. um, and to just provide support that way. It's a really cool program. Like I had honest, I had never heard of it before until um, Chad and I got promoted, and uh, your dad was there at our like after party thing, and. I don't know how the hell we got started talking about it, but somehow we ended up there and we were talking about it and it was a pretty cool program. And like real quick while we're talking about, it, I just want to highlight like some of the things that they have, right? 
So they have a survivor hotline and we'll put all this information in with the episode so that you have access to it. But there's a peer support network, which is what Becca was talking about. So like, if you have somebody they'll connect you with a person that's like in local or local ish to use somebody that you can talk to and then community based care, they can provide casework assistance, emergency financial assistance, um, education resources and support for post-secondary education uh, they have their own institute for hope and healing is what they call it. And then grief and trauma resources. And then they do seminars, retreats, that sort of thing. And then um, a lot of like kind of morale events, I guess, to like kind of. Yeah. They're uh, like monthly events where you can get together with other people who are anywhere in that grieving process and just talk about like when it's closer to the holidays. Okay. How are you? What are you doing this holiday? Or if it's like Memorial Day, that's a big one for them. And so I think next year in the Michigan one, like they're going to be doing some more outreach things. So because it's not well known, people don't really know about it. Um, so like they just want they just want to bring it to people's forefront. So they're aware of, hey, hope you never need us, but we're here if you do. Yeah. Or and they have programs for kids and teens, too. So it's like not just for like yeah, they have yeah. a the, huge an adult program. person or or like a military member. It could be for anybody. And I think it'd be, it's it's good for something. It's it's a good program for everybody to know. So maybe, I mean, hopefully you never yourself have to use it. But if somebody, one of your peers goes through a situation, you can point them and, to this yeah. resource. Too, yeah, I thought right? that like, and it's, and it's, it's, it's focused on more long term. Um, because like initially, um, what happened is right. Pat was the closest active duty base to, you know, Paul's parents mm. and, uh, they came up, they spent two days with them. They had a huge binder of, a of, huge binder yeah, like- of resources. Oh, wow. Um, like, Hey, here's like everything they can use. And then they left. And like, that was, that was what happened. Like, sorry, like, sorry for your loss. Um, we are here for you. Please reach out to us if you want to. Um, here's a binder here's of overload of information yeah, that you're not even, can, you don't even care about at this time. Right. right absolutely. It's not what you're thinking about. Exactly. You know, in the and, uh, and then they were out they were gone and taps became, uh, really important because, because of the focus on longer term, basically interaction with survivors. Um, and like Becca's, uh, Dad has been like at the Pentagon with General Goldfein mm. uh, in in meetings for a week of like how can we support survivors better? Yeah. Um, like at, like after like how, what do we do? Like what can we do? Well, it's huge because it's something like in within the service that we do a terrible job at. Mm-hmm. Like in terms of it feels like most of the time. Not to like turn this into just a bashing on the DOD fest. We do that enough on this podcast, but um, <laughs> like at least in my experience from dealing like for most of us, it's going to be like suicide is what we're going to like encounter uh, within the service. Right. But it's almost like a, like, uh, like they just throw resources out there because they're supposed to, or because it's in the checklist for your first sergeant or your additional duty first sergeant's binder. It's like, okay, provide them with a chaplain who will give them like grief counseling if they need it. And that's kind of the extent of it. Like maybe they have the chaplain actually come to your unit and be available for a half a day or a day or something like that. But outside of that, like we don't really do much of anything to provide, like, even if it's not necessarily like, Oh, I need continued care, uh, like throughout this whole process, but it feels like we could do more to at least be checking in because, Hey, like, Maybe I'm like Mr. Tough Guy and I don't want to admit, like I'm saying this because this is like how I handled it when I experienced it and where 
Like I'm kind of just like, yeah, I don't even, I'm not going to deal with this. Like I'm not, or not that I'm not going to deal with this. I'm not going to admit that it's like hard for me or that like, maybe I should be talking to somebody. Like I'm just going to like keep it all internal. And then like, it'll probably come out in some unhealthy way later, but it would have been nice if like something like taps was more integrated into like our daily kind of battle rhythm so that you were getting those check-ins like, you know, a month down the line, three months down the line, six months down the line, something like that. Cause grief is not just the initial shock. Well, that's like, it's grief is a marathon and everybody processes it differently. And it's not a, uh, something you can get over in a weekend. And it, sometimes it takes people an extremely long time to, to, to cope and deal. And, you know, you could have a really great month two years later. And then, you know, a month after that, it could, you know, it's, it hits you. You mean like a decade or even well, like a yeah, decade later decade. for you? Absolutely. Yeah. It, it, it just, it, it hits you, mm-hmm. you know? And so the fact that they're focusing on the long term is really special, I think. And I mean, that's what we were talking about earlier today. It's like, you know, like that first year, that year first, whew, mm. that's a doozy. Yeah. And then year number two is hard too, because you see everyone moving on with their life. Yeah. yeah everyone kind of gets back into their yeah, old routine everyone, and their old habits yeah. and and then, like, for me personally, like, the next couple of years, maybe it was just because we were busy and having kids and they're crazy. I've just noticed that, like, this past year, this year 10, like, everything is just kind of a little more somber and hitting a little bit harder. And so, like, just the way that the grief, it goes, it comes in waves. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, do, it does. It, com- it comes and goes. There's, a, like... I remember the day after we got married, like we were driving back and I broke down. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and like I had to pull, I, I was driving, I had to pull over and I was just, just bawling. Uh, and like we've, we've had this conversation uh, a few times. Like, um, like I, I, like our story is just different and unique. Um, like I, I could not have married someone that did not know Paul or about mm. Paul, and I, I guess I took that to the extreme and married a sister. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but she gets an, she gets and understands a part of your story that nobody else will or could ever, mm-hmm. right? We're talking about like the day after your wedding, like yeah, there's got to be this wild like dichotomy of feelings, right? Like probably you know, at that up, at least up till that point, probably the happiest you've ever been or like happiest moment of your life. Like I'll, I'll uh, give you that. Like now the birth of your kids, like maybe up there, like I don't, I would be real hard pressed <laughs> right? to rank like no. our wedding with our, I don't know. It's all real. We'll call them like one A, B and C for me. There is you, how go. I would there you go. Wait, uh, smart move there, sir. Yeah. So like, well like happiest you've ever feel happiest ever feel, but this, yeah, I would imagine at the same point, like you're, there's a part of you that's just thinking like Paul should be here and probably from on both, from both of you. Well, and that, and like (laughs) that country song, like you should be here. Oh yeah. Like the country songs have been real strong. (laughs) (laughs) It's like that. You listen to lyrics, that song. I'm like, like, yes. Yeah. Like Paul should have been at my wedding. I feel like he was, and this may be really dark. Um, but so <laughs> we're here for it. Yeah. Um, so I didn't want this and I actually didn't want to get married at my church that I went to growing up because that is actually where Paul's bar- funeral was at. Mm-hmm. And so where I was standing is, I mean, apart from the steps, but right where Paul's casket was. was. Yeah. 
I don't know if I ever told you this, but our wedding came and I went and stood where his casket was um, before I walked down the aisle to start everything and just kind of take a moment. I I took a moment uh, and said, all right, here we go. And started. Strike me with lightning now if you're not okay with yeah. this. <laughs> like, hey, hey, bro, like, uh, you all right? Sorry, Are you good? Not, we, like, sorry, not sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Yeah. Like, just uh, let me know. Give me a sign. Yeah. And uh, everything went off without. I mean, it didn't even I, rain. So yeah, it didn't rain. You did your hair. I did my it, hair, and it didn't, didn't rain, rain that day. Which is a common thing. Becca, anytime Becca does her hair, it rained. <laughs> um, it was weird to be in the same church where. Paul was a 24-year-old, you know, man mm. that had close to 600 people wow. come to come to his funeral. And then we got that married. That says so so much about him. Yeah, and yeah, we got so much. And then we got married in that same spot. It was just We didn't have 600 people. We did there. not have 600 so. people. Budget for again. Budget, budget, budget for budget. I'm not feeding 600 people. Yeah. Get out of here. Right? Just a, but like I mean, at the visitation and at his funeral, like it did not look like him. Like they did, really? like so it never does though. Never does. It doesn't. It, I mean, I will say, I will. I would like to put this out on the podcast. Oh boy, that Paul was buried in Superman boxers. He was. Was he really? Nice. He was. He was. Dad buried. and I went to Meyer at like eleven o'clock at night the night before because my mom couldn't find boxers, and she's like, he has to have something on. And that is such so, a mom comment, right? To be worried <laughs> at your son's funeral that he has that he has that underwear, underwear on. Yeah. <laughs> and I just want everyone to know that Superman boxers. We, we found we were obnoxious. We like, were. oh my gosh, we were so obnoxious. Yep. But anyway, so yes, Paul looked nothing like Paul uh, dead, but which never, makes well, it, which yeah. makes sense. The but is, then, like, he, Paul was always smiling, and he obviously he was not right. smiling, and it's he just. Looked, like an old man. Yeah, it just, it was, I don't know. It, like, It's almost better to just have a close cast, I feel like, because your, your grandpa just passed. And from far away, he kind of looked like himself. But the moment yeah. you got up close to the casket, you're like, that's not him. Well, and I, I felt the same way about when my grandma and my grandpa, like everybody that, every funeral I've been to, if, yeah, it just, it's not that, it doesn't. Well, they had. And I think with older people, it is, they look more realistic to like more to what their real life, because it's like, yeah. If but, anything, they look better when they're yeah. dead. But yeah. They um <laughs> anyway. It was actually requested that we have an open casket because oh, really? the um the students who found Paul's body, so oh, they found out that Paul was dead because he didn't show up for the surgery that day. And so they had a couple classmates go and look and go wake him up because they thought he they just overslept. Yeah. yeah. Which Paul never did. Uh, yeah, he was always like, running or something. Yeah. Um. Anyway, and so they obviously found him dead mm-hmm. on the floor and was surrounded by blood. I mean, um. And so, just for their healing process and for them to be able mm-hmm. to like to have that closure, so it's like yeah. see him again, you know, yeah. One more time or whatever. So, and I mean, we respect that, and we wanted to see, like, I I wanted to see him one more time. Yeah, absolutely. Um. Did it help with my grieving process? No, but it is what it is. Well, it's hard to know like what is going to help you in that. Yes, I want to see like it's uh, this will give me closure, and then you see it, and you're like, I'm oh, like is it really him? Like, is that really his dead body? Well, yeah. And I yeah. and I didn't deal with it when I was there. Like I when I got back to Michigan, uh, I treated it just like a mission that I was on. I landed, yep. and then I had priorities to take care of. Mm-hmm. One, get to their house. Two. 
Uh, Feed ta- me a peanut butter jelly sandwich. It was a grilled peanut butter jelly sandwich. Ooh. Um, I, because, didn't, I didn't touch it. Well, that's the thing. They weren't eating. Like, I got there and, like, all right, my job is to take care of their family. Like, mm-hmm. news came to the house. I went out and met the news. Like, mm-hmm. no, you can go. You have any questions, you run them through me. Yeah. Uh, and I wonder if, if your your current job helped prepare a little, you a little bit for that. Like, well, I'm you, sure. you knew yeah, how yeah, to absolutely. handle the situations because you were already doing it for your job. Yeah. And that, that's exactly, it's like I hit the ground running like a mission because yeah. I didn't want to deal with my own grief. Right. Um, and then, like, we had a, we set up, Last second, we set up a candlelight vigil at the track, the high school track, because Paul was a huge track star mm. in high school. And again, the news showed up, and I said, "You will run anything you want through me. Mm. I'm the only person you talk to." Yeah. Uh, and uh, they asked me for an interview. I said, "I will give you an interview, but if you want to talk to their parents, you will talk to me. And if they don't want to talk to you, you don't push it. Yeah. Because I will smash your equipment." <laughs> so, but overall, the news like. I've- they, they were respectful they, they, as, they as were. much as they they, they they were. Um, but yeah, like Friday was uh, the candlelight visual. Saturday, Saturday was the uh, visitation. And then Sunday uh, was the funeral. And then yeah, I, I don't even geez. remember like what days well, and how it all. Well, I, I'm sure it's a blue. Oh, like there's. Oh, blue, yeah. Like that whole part is like just. Yeah. Well, I, I remember it because one, I was on leave. I was, on, you know, and I only I could I put in only so much time of leave. Yeah. And then, so Friday was that candlelight visual. Saturday was the visitation. Sunday was the funeral. Monday, I was walking across the stage to get my staff stripe, and I did. I did not care. I was super happy to make rank, obviously, but like I'm, at, I'm at, glad you made rank at the at the time. I was just like, the ceremony is the last thing I want to be at right now. Yeah, that's fair in light of everything else. Yeah, because that I what what I missed was basically Paul was being. Like lowered into the ground the same exact time yeah, I was walking across time. stage okay. at uh, Fort Custer, Fort Custer mm-hmm. uh, where you can walk across the way to the first person I lost to suicide. Really? In, uh, in the military. Brent. And it's funny because um, Brent's numbers on his gravesite, if you rearrange them, it's the same. It's the same gravesite number as Paul's. Like it's just like a different. Yeah, just in a different, like same numbers, different. Yeah. Order. Yeah. 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 So Brent House is the first person I lost wow. to suicide, and they're just they're buried. It's wild. They're just buried right across nice. the way from each other. Wow. So we talked about. Uh, sorry, kind of changing gears a little bit. So we talked about uh, the Taps program a little bit, but I know one of the other ways that um, y'all are kind of like giving back, or that you can give back through like this tragedy is. Uh, the what's the name of the program that they do through UM, like the Giving Day or whatever it's called? Yes. The Giving Blue Day, yeah. So, uh, we started a scholarship in um, honor of Paul. The goal of it is to be able to help kids be able to go to medical school who otherwise, like, they're great kids, they have the same personality as Paul, they want to do good in the world, but they just can't afford it. I mean, again, like, we were not rich, like, medical school, no one in my family has gone to medical school. Yeah. So, like, we just want to be able to help other kids who may not have had that opportunity to have that one. So we started a scholarship in honor of Paul. It's the Paul De, uh, Paul D. DeWolf Memorial Scholarship at, um, with U of M. And it's almost, what are we, like, at 75%? Yeah, 75%. 75, 80%. I mean, we're getting close. It's a high number that we have to get to. But the goal is to have a full-ride scholarship for students for oh, wow. all four years or for all the years of medical school. And we've been able to do partial scholarships for quite a few people now. 
Yeah. Um, and I mean, just to be able to meet these kids and like what they want to do um, and like what what's their interests. And it's really yeah. cool. And like you can see like a little bit of Paul shining in each of them. That's cool. Um, and my parents always go to him, too. And they just are always so excited. To be like, oh, I met this person today. And they're doing this, this, this. We always get the full story on who. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I feel like cool, I know. Because then you get, a, you get to yeah, it's still, pass on his legacy individually yeah. to people. Yeah. Yeah, and I told so I got to speak um, to you know to Paul's class. Uh, we there was a, a celebration of life at mm-hmm. University of Michigan mm-hmm. for Paul, and uh, I, I got to go there and just say like, listen, like yes, Paul is gone, but if whatever you learned from him, whatever conversation you had with him, whatever you got to take from him, mm-hmm. if you keep carrying that on with your medical, uh, you know, careers like he's not truly gone. Yeah. Like we're all carrying a part of him with us. Uh, and, uh, I, I, you know, I think about that often when I try to, uh, you know, live life and like, all right, well, like what would Paul do mm. yeah. in these situations? And, you know, he was a jokester. He was a great runner. There's just uh, so much mm. that we can share about him. Like there would, there would be not enough time for your podcast. Yeah. <laughs> How many episodes like, you want us to do right yeah. now? Yeah. It's just, it's so hard to like condense Paul's whole story and like what, like through his death, what has been done and like how it, how so much good has come from his death. Now, would I rather if Paul have stayed alive? Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, the good so. that has come and how people have changed and have moved forward with their life through his death is just amazing. And it's mm. so cool to be part of. And I mean, everyone's tragedy and loss is different. And, but just, I guess that's like my goal for people is that like take that loss, but like make something good come from it. Mm-hmm. God's got a plan and you just got to trust him. I know that's hard, but you just have to trust him that good things can come from it and start making that happen. Don't just yeah. sit and wait, but move forward, make things happen. That's a good, a good message. And you'll have one more thing that you'll do uh, that I wanted to touch on. You've kind of already mentioned it, but something that y'all do uh, every year. Can you tell us what you guys do? Y'all put, you'll usually post it on social media too. Every time I see it, I don't know what it is. Coincidentally, it's like really dusty wherever I'm at. But uh, it's especially like for me, like seeing you guys uh, with kids, like carrying on this tradition, like with like kind of, I don't know, like that this is their uncle that like having this moment that you're uh, sharing with them as they get older too. Yeah. So both Maddie and Mason, they know that on Uncle Paul's birthday and on Uncle Paul's heaven birthday, we go to McDonald's and we get an Oreo McFlurry mm. with extra Oreos because somehow Paul could have a six pack and eat. <laughs> I mean, he would have like four Oreos and shove them, dip them in milk somehow, not sure how, and then dip them in milk and then just shove all four in his mouth at, at the same time. At the same, at the same time. time, I've seen this. I've witnessed it. Yeah, like what? Just, I just devour these Oreos. <laughs> Oreos, yeah, just crushing them i mean and then he would like go and grab all the carrots too like it was he is freak of nature but (laughs) was not happy yes he was ripped from the day i met him wow yeah uh, but anyway so and i and i was the oreo diet apparently it does not work for me but uh i I will say uh i'm pretty um, amazed that uh mcdonald's oreo like ice cream machine is always working on that date good for them that's him yeah that's uh that's him because that's cool 
364 days a year, that thing does not work. <laughs> that is so true. That one, that like tradition is really cool. Like, I think it's really cool. And I know it's something that y'all do like just for your family, but I know outsiders perspective, it's something like every time that I see it, like come across like my timeline or you guys talk to us about it when we were there local, like, Oh, like, you know, maybe we couldn't meet up at a certain time because, or you were leaving to go get lunch or to go do it at lunch or something like that. Yeah. Like, I never left for lunch. Yeah. But that day I did. Mm. Yeah. But it's something that like, which also sounds like, weird for what? Chad, yeah. like, <laughs> leaving at lunch and going to get sweets, <laughs> like not things that are normal, Nope. but it was, yeah, something that was always, always resonated me with me. It was something that was really cool for me to see, I guess. And just like, I always got like a deep sense of like appreciation and just gratitude for like really everything, but like family and then for you guys and having you guys in my life and like how you just never really know like what God's plan is and like how long we're going to have with each other. Um, and just kind of trusting in that. I think on that post, I always say like, give your loved ones an extra hug today or Mm, reach out to them. And it's just, again, like it's not just to focus on like, this is Paul's birthday or this is Paul's death day. It's to focus on family and the the importance of being thankful and grateful for what we have right here. And just because it's not always guaranteed. Yeah. Cause exactly. It's not guaranteed. And like so often we're busy running the rat race of life Mm -hmm. that we don't stop to think about, you know, I have a family, like, or yeah. I have a roof over my head. I have a stable job. Like, I, I'm still able to walk today. Like, yeah. Thank, yeah. thank you, Lord. And so just taking that brief moment. And, I mean, our kids are super pumped to get ice cream. I mean, so. who is fair? <laughs> right? Yeah, I think it's been cool to see you guys do, especially, like, as we've gotten to know each other over the last, geez, almost six years now. Yeah. Um, Man, that went by fast. We're getting six, old. Six? Five? Yeah, because we were there four years and here. Yeah, five. Math is hard. One whole handful. Still. One, one hand. But like how you <laughs> one guys, hand. One hand. but it's cool to see like how you and your family have found ways like, like big and like small to keep his memory alive, whether that's something that's more personal to you guys, like McFlurry's uh, that still has an impact on others, whether it was intentional or not. And, but then like all the way up to bigger things, whether it's your parents uh, get involved in taps or the scholarship that affects and will continue to affect like, really like an untold amount of people. Right. Cause it's not just the people that are getting the scholarships. It's like, okay, now that person got an opportunity to go to medical school and how many people do they help uh, yeah, after that? Right. It's like and- kind of like an unfathomable number of people by the time it's all said and done, which is really cool. It's so cool to think about. Yeah. So awesome. Well, thank you guys for opening up um, and sharing this conversation. I, like I'm sure that it's not even even if you can get used to telling the story, I'm still not a fun thing to like talk about. Right. We always end the podcast with new guests a certain way. You guys have been on the podcast before, so you know this, uh, or so we already have your answers. So I'm going to phrase them to you a different way since we've been uh, talking about Paul today. So I'll give you guys the first one. Same question. If Paul was a character in a movie or a TV show, what character would he be and why? Uh, Clark Kent. That's <laughs> Fair. <laughs> I walked right into that. You did. Oh, <laughs> Oh, I, but I will say he did have an obsession with the office as well. So who oh, would he be in the office? Speaking Amanda's yes. language. Yes. Oh, who would he be in the office? I, I Is he fe- Jim? I feel like he would be a Jim. It would be Jim. From the stories that y'all have told me about him, I yes. could see him as a Jim. He would be a Jim, I think. Yeah. I like it. So, yeah. Do you concur, Becca? I do concur. I mean, you you were the blood relative. I was just his best friend. Just his so. best friend, yeah. No, I concur. <laughs> yeah. All right. 
And that leads to the second question. What would Paul's, uh, what would Paul's bluff be? What was his bottom line up front? If there was, if he had one big takeaway that you think he would want to pass on to everybody around him, what would it be? A big question. I know. Sorry. I probably should have prepped you that I was going to ask this before we came. Oh, he's going to strike us down if we get this wrong. You're in trouble now. That, that if he didn't get you in the church, you got free reign now. Oh, that's. Are true. you sure? I mean, listen that that McFlurry machine may be broken this year, and that's why. I, <laughs> and that's why I'll leave this question up to his sister. Smart, Smart man. Move. <laughs> you two must be married. <laughs> oh man, if he had. Yeah, I want to say just include Be an people. includer. Be an includer. Oh. No, be an includer. It doesn't includer. matter what walk of life you come from. Like Everyone is walking a path. Yeah. And if the more people you can get on your path, like, the better. It doesn't matter their background. It doesn't matter what they're doing. As long as you're including them and mm-hmm. trying to do good in the world. And just do the dang thing. Yep, just do the dang thing. Like I feel okay. like he just did so much in Ann Arbor and the time he was there and just throughout his whole life just did so much. He wasn't afraid of not being the best or people thinking he was weird. Like he would just, he would join in and then he would make everybody else join in too. And like all of those. You ever seen him. that movie? Yes, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 We just said yes to everything. And, that, and I'm not saying necessarily Paul said yes to everything, but like the things he did do, he wanted to do with other people, mm. not by himself. Yeah, so like not necessarily that he said yes to everything, but he wasn't afraid to say yes to things that were different or scary or and then bring or people and along bring, with and him. And then bring people along with him. Yeah. So. Do the dang thing. Bring other people along. I like I love it. it. Well, thank you guys again for coming on and telling your story. We will make sure we'll include links to tap. So if you want to hear any more about it, um, I would encourage like any of our military listeners that are listening to that are listening to this, please at least look into it. It's just another resource to have in your toolkit. That's uh, mm. like very, very useful. Hopefully you never have to use it, but like we talked about before, inevitably we're all going to have to deal with grief uh, or a loss at some point. Right. So good to have more toolkits, uh, more tools in your toolkit. And then we'll also include a link uh, to the scholarship fund too. So um, if you are willing or able to donate to that, we would certainly appreciate it. And you can help make a difference. Um, in someone else's life and honor Paul's memory as well. Uh, as always, you can find us at whiskey tango chaos on any social media or at whiskey tango chaos.com uh, where you can find links to all of our episodes or our store. We don't have anything special going on right now, but check it out anyway. Um, Cause you know, you want to treat yourself. Treat yeah. Yourself. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. <laughs> and uh, swag. I'm sure this is, I'm sure this is not the last time that uh, we'll talk to you guys. We'll, I'm sure we'll hear you on another podcast here. But <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for coming all the way down to Texas. We appreciate it. This is like truly amongst the group of people that um, like kind of the joke is always like, yeah, the Air Force like gives you friends that turn into family and then they like rip them away from you like it's nothing. Like these Chad and Rebecca are truly family to us and it means a lot that you guys are willing to come down here and to join in on our shenanigans that get put on the internet. So Yes. Isn't that great? Yeah. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you guys next time. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. Cheers. Thank mm-hmm. you.